0: to the No Chance Radio Show, a podcast about the world of streetwear, fashion, and everything and anything else. Yes, yes, and we are back. Episode 101 of the NCR show, that's No Chance Radio. As always, you got your host here. My name is Ryan.
1: And my name is Mel. Happy Friday.
0: Welcome back to the fucking show, guys. I'm sorry that we didn't get back to you guys last week. We were just kind of celebrating in the the libations of episode 100. Shout out to everyone that said that episode 100 was that episode for them because... It took us a while to get to it but you know obviously for good reason mm-hmm. good content that's what it's all about at the end <laughs> of the day you know what i mean we do it for y'all i had to put my like magic touch on it too to make sure that it um it really resonated with our listeners and when when you when you hear no chance radio you want to kind of want to feel like you're listening to like an old school radio that's that, that's always my feel um, when it comes to what we're doing but anyways Welcome back to the motherfucking show, man. Um, if you don't already know, we are the streetwear podcast that, um, how do I say this? Really doesn't know shit about streetwear. <laughs> um, just as a disclaimer, again, we are not the uh, the final say in the brands, the, the, the trends, or, or anything that you follow, so we kind of always advocate to just do you. Yeah. <laughs> don't listen to us, this is just our opinion, but Felt like it'd be nice to to talk about a little bit of streetwear. And that's what we're going to do in this episode because there's a lot to fucking talk about. We missed the week and now we're back. But per usual, I always got to ask... What's up with you, Mel? It's been a while. How are you?
1: It's been a while. Um, I came back from Vegas. Mm. I went to Day in Vegas. Shout out to
0: Vegas. Yep,
1: shout outs to Vegas. Y'all is cold as hell right now. But Vegas you Vegas know one, you,
0: Melanie zero?
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool though. Like, shout out to Day in Vegas. Honestly, that was my first festival. A lot of good people, good music. Um, I'm glad I went. We'll probably not go again. Mm, <laughs>
0: the, the festival life got to you.
1: Festival life is too much. I can't hang. Shit. I can't hang. God. It's okay. You know what? You know why? Because we have an event in two weeks.
0: That's true. Yes. Let's let's promote that real quick. Next Saturday, uh, November 16th. Yes. Ooh, I got that Bay right. Bay Area. Bay Area. Uh, no Chance in Friends in partnership with Boogie Events and Gigan and Friends. Shout out to San Diego. Shout out to Josh Gigan. Woo. Back at 111 Minute Gallery. That is on Saturday from 9.30 to 2 a.m. If you got it like that. If you got... Yep some uh if you got the marathon spirit in you unfortunately <laughs> melanie didn't but for those of you that are listening that are looking to come out next saturday come out and support we got all the homies djing and it's going to be a lot of fun yep um, be there please be there man this is an exciting one it, we're at the point now where where other people want to experience um the events that we're putting on mm-hmm. and it's a uh, it's kind of nice you know it's kind of nice we hope to take this nationwide to those of you that are listening in 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 other states of the of, of the country and and hopefully we can get to your state and you guys can come party with us. For those of you that have listened to the podcast and have come out to one of our events, man, thank you. We appreciate the support. And we appreciate everyone that has reached out to us fairly recently. Especially the the most recent message that I got, which was actually really funny cuz this is like the most demanded piece of content that I get asked for since day 1 is where is the fight with Nate and the homeless guy? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I, at first I said, reach out to me if you want to see it. But now that it's kept in the vault and sorry. I will not be exposed to the public anytime soon. Oh my God. Such a gem. Such a <laughs> fucking gem. But let's get into some streetwear for the week. And a couple of things that I want to talk about real quick is, and I feel like this is going to be an update pretty recurringly on the podcast because of our proximity to the fucking Supreme store, but there's going to be a lot of fucking uh, tales of the Supreme SF store in this podcast. (laughs) And the first thing I want to touch on real quick is somebody needs to teach me how to fucking become a reseller. Cause this shit is difficult as fuck. You cannot be a reseller if you are one impatient (laughs) and two in desperate need of money. Those two things do not make any sense in regards to reselling it's impossible so (laughs) let me tell this story real quick in in terms of my experience as a reseller for about um
1: two weeks two weeks
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, when the supreme box logo came out obviously that was an easy flip um it was actually unfortunate for me because when i had first gotten the shirt that was the night we recorded episode 100 yeah i got home and i was like ooh, StockX is taking these for like almost $750. I think I should wait. And I, I, I think I can sell this for $1,000. Mm-hmm. First of all, let me be completely honest. No box logo shirt, at least that has been released in the past couple of years, has gone on to sell for even close to 700 And so, unfortunately, I got greedy. <laughs> um, things came up over the weekend and I didn't get to sell it till the following Tuesday, and I made $430. So that is the price you pay when you have to wait when there is a delay. Unfortunately, that is something that I had experienced. I'm an impatient motherfucker when it comes to this reselling (laughs) shit. The North Face stuff came out, I bought it the day of, I went to the resale shop and they said, well, I'll give you $450 and I paid $350 and I'm just like, A hundred (laughs) dollars. I waited in line and did all this shit for a hundred dollars. And don't get me wrong. Obviously that's a new, that's a hundred dollars that you guys have just recently come up on. But all in all, what I'm trying to say and Melanie, I want you to give me your opinions in a second about this reselling lifestyle. It's not my thing, Mm -hmm. obviously, but so far I would say that if it's, if you can smell the profit, if it's right there in front of your face, Go for it. If you have to second guess it, do not fucking do it. And if you don't have the time or the patience or it just doesn't match up, it's not for you, unfortunately. So please, Melanie, tell me the secret behind this reselling lifestyle because I don't get it.
1: Uh, I mean, there's not really a secret to it. It's kind of a mindset. I mean, first and foremost, you have to have the patience for it because if you're not patient, you're not going to get anywhere with anything in life. So um, reselling is a very, very tricky game. And you have to be patient. And it's a risk. It's just like, it's damn near like gambling because you never know when the stock market or the resale market will tank or well, when it was skyrocket, I've taken a lot of L's this past year on damn near everything I've bought. Um, I'm holding on to things that are now bricks. Um, I sold one of my box logos for 450 that that the Yikes. same weekend. Yeah, so I feel you, but I still have another one, and the price went down. <laughs> so I'm holding on to a brick right now, but it's okay. But it happens the fact
0: that you were able to get 3 so baffles me because <laughs> when you <coughs> sorry when you put together the average rent in San Francisco mm-hmm. you pretty much made that in the 3 shirts that you got all by just maybe putting on the line in, in terms of like work hours maybe like s- 10 work hours in total just to make that amount like mm-hmm. this flipping lifestyle is um is not for the weak hearted let me tell you that it's not it is not for the weak hearted Uh, but uh, yeah yeah that is our experience recently with the fucking supreme store and we'll probably have one for you every fucking episode cause oh my god I just hate how the proximity of that store to my house is less than five minutes and um it's gonna be the death of me for (laughs) sure for sure for sure let me talk about another store that just recently got um, fucking remodeled. It's the IKEA store. This oh, yeah. Virgil uh, Virgil released the. Uh, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna butcher the hell out of this name because I'm, I'm neither Swedish nor well Virgil because he came up with the name. But Markerad Collection. Uh, essentially, it was dubbed as the fashion you can't wear. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a furniture collection in collaboration with IKEA, rugs, bags. Um, picture frames, uh, furniture, seats, everything. Very unique collection, one of the first of its kind. Obviously, we've seen things done with um, Modernica. You know, everyone has a collaboration with Modernica nowadays, but not too much in in regards to furniture across the board. You know, there's one-off collections, uh, random things like, you know, collaborations with snowboard companies like Burton, (laughs) motocross companies that like Supreme has done. But in terms of furniture it hasn't been done fairly recently. So when I think, when I think about what uh, Virgil has done with Ikea, it is, it is kind of surprising. Of course, knowing him, it's, it's very random, but just in general, it's one of those things where I'm just like, he fucking did it again. Yeah. He fucking did it again. It's like one
1: of those things where it's like only Virgil can do that. You know, like, not every designer could make a coll- like a whole collab with IKEA, but he did that, and it was pretty poppin' according to my social media timeline.
0: Yeah, I want to ask this question though, because this shit always confuses me. Is is the style of so I'm trying to to make this uh, this this uh, to distinguish that of Virgil and Off White, right? Because understanding that he is the one that essentially created it, he's the one that provides that creative direction Mm -hmm. but when he's collaborating with ikea in all of the design aesthetics are -hmm. essentially that of off-white is is it in essence a collaboration with off-white is in essence a collaboration with virgil Mm -hmm. where do you draw the line between who is virgil and who is off-white you know what i mean it's a good question it's kind of confusing when you see the the quotation marks around the big Ikea thing, is it like, oh, that's that's Virgil. Mm-hmm. Or when you see it around, um, you know, that of the clothing, it's like, well, you know, at this point, it's just kind of a mainstay within Off-White. Like, how do we know when it's actually Virgil's touch uh, versus anybody else? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's low-key confusing.
1: It is, but I think because... Virgil himself has really obscure collaborations, like not Off-White, but Virgil as a designer, he has, like, he he's the one who's more out of the box compared to his brand. So I think I would like to say the Ikea collab is a Virgil collab only, just because you would never see Off-White making a freaking wet grass carpet.
0: True. I think it's just the design aesthetics that confuse me a little bit in trying to understand, like, what is who is what when it comes to the designing of some of this stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Virgil's the poster child for, for both in this case, but when it comes to all of this in general, it's like, how do you make that distinction between the brand and the person who has influence on the brand? I look at people like, um, I don't know, Michael Jordan, right? Like, if Michael Jordan does a collaboration with a company, like, how do you know it's Michael Jordan's touch versus The Jordan brand you know and I think that's just where we've gotten to today in regards to where Virgil stands and his his reputation in the industry is like how do you tell the difference between him as the brand and him as the person Um, it's a very particular thing that you see when it comes to like uh, uh, the Pharrell touch versus like the billionaire boys club touch mm-hmm. like it's a very distinct difference, and like he's the influencer, and the, and this is the brand, but it's hard to tell that difference sometimes when it comes to Virgil and uh, and his brand. But I do want to talk about um, this idea of just designers in general because I saw this um, I saw this ad, and I see it a lot. I saw it when I was in New York recently. It was a um, Acne Studios who did like a partnership with like Russell Westbrook, right? Mm-hmm. And so. It got me thinking, and also I read in the article somebody had questioned: Can Russell, Russell Westbrook is a very? I mean, this is a very opinionated answer, uh, uh, very opinionated piece right here. But some may refer to him as one of the best dressed people in the NBA. He also got caught wearing like a raft like <laughs> vest <laughs> recently, or uh, in the past couple years, but. People would refer to him as one of the best dressed NBA players, right? He's modeling for that of Acne Studios now, and uh, I'm not sure if he has any say in designing some of the collections, but I want to ask this question because that sort of sparked an interest is, can designers or do designers have an obligation to dress well, and do people that dress well think that they can essentially, in essence, be a designer? Mm-hmm. can those two things flip flop what do you think
1: mm, uh, my initial opinion would be yes to both questions mm. um personally as a consumer if i were buying something from a designer i would like to see the designer either wearing those pieces or can actually style them if like if you're going to design something that's like worth $4,000 and you're wearing like freaking Walmart clothes, I'm not going to take you seriously. Why is that though? Because you have to you have to be behind your product. You know, you're kind of, like, basically, this is this is your stuff. If you're designing these pieces, you have to be the spokesperson, you have to be the hype man. You know, this is your stuff, you should be proud of it, show it off. Make sure you style it well, because if not, who's gonna buy it? Who's gonna know about you if you're not popping, basically?
0: No, that's true. I get this idea of essentially being like, being your biggest fan, right? But when I look at people like, I don't know. Um, oftentimes, Virgil. He's not always wearing Louis Vuitton and off-white. Sometimes he's wearing like, <laughs> it's funny because, no, oh, uh, I'll use Travis Scott as, as an example because he has his own brand, right? The Cactus Jack line. That's something that he constantly puts out in terms of tour merch. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't always wear tour merch, right? He will wear, uh, <laughs> which is pretty common, the very dingy Uncle Polly's hat from the restaurant in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. they'll go on to wear whatever it is outside of it. Cause if you really think about it, some artists don't often wear their own term tour merch and they are a big component of designing it most of the time. So when I think about, you know, actual designers that, um, I'll use the, the, the Virgil as an example, people like, um, Nikki Diamond is a, is a big proponent of designing all of the Diamond Supply uh, company clothes, even uh, Ruigi, who does the the rude stuff. like I, I see them wearing their stuff on a very consistent basis, and they, they design it. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. But when it comes to that of people who dress well, people like Russell Westbrook, other people who have started fashion lines recently would you even say that uh, Justin Bieber dresses well? I don't know, but he just recently started his streetwear company. So you really gotta think like, I think it works well with the designers because of what they're wearing. Like yeah. if you're a designer, more often than not, because of your creative mindset in, when it comes to designing, you'll probably end up dressing well. Yeah. But when you're the, the person that dresses well, and then going into the space of designing stuff, I don't feel like it always translates.
1: I don't think so either.
0: It doesn't always look. At, I mean, I'm using Justin Bieber as a prime example. Looking at people who, I don't know, like that are known to be very good dressers, celebrities especially, their lines suck most of the time. Mm-hmm. They are fucking terrible. I mean, more often than not, it's it's rappers. It's it's um, it's. Uh, professional athletes their lines are some some of the worst (laughs) like it's funny because we uh we talked about the gucci main and a gucci collaboration um but but prior to the gucci collaboration gucci had released a um was on the verge of releasing his own like kind of streetwear mixed uh fashion line and that shit sucked too (laughs) <laughs> and so I think the cor- the correlation between the two, for me at least, the the, the dressing aspect is, uh, yeah, it, it, just because you can dress doesn't always mean that you can, uh, you can put that shit on the paper if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. All right. But in other news, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about goat. we like to talk about the trends of a lot of these. I don't even know how to categorize these. Um, like the Stock X, the goat. Um, the Grail. How do you categorize these companies? You just call them. Um, I don't because you can't even call them like resale marketplaces.
1: It's like aftermarket. That's the go. word. Yeah, okay. aftermarket marketplaces.
0: Oh, that's good. Okay, good term. So a lot of these aftermarket marketplaces, the Grail, the Goat, the StockX, um, they're all like innovating in their own very specific ways, right? You mm-hmm. see Grail start to do a lot of um, editorial stuff. They're like. Essentially, kind of turn it into the the marketplace mixed with the beast mm-hmm. So they'll do all of their their articles in correlation with you know clothing that releases and all that other stuff. StockX just recently, um, well, not recently, but I think it was in twenty seventeen they took on um, selling streetwear. Mm-hmm. And even you had mentioned earlier today that they're now selling uh, Funko figures. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's their way of separating themselves from the pack. And it's something that I've noticed a lot recently because I also get emails from StockX and they had mentioned like, oh, invest in, I don't know, they say some like bullshit Adidas shoe <laughs> and like buy stock in this and like watch it go. And uh, they have their niche, right? That's how they approach the this world of, of the, the aftermarket. And, uh, and Grail does their thing of, of essentially providing the context and the editorial aspect. Mm -hmm. And then you have GOAT, right? It's essentially really just a place to buy the shoes that you missed out on. Mm -hmm. But recently they decided to start picking up more of like uh, streetwear luxury items. Uh, Essentially that's what StockX had done in 2017. So now they're essentially falling in line with what StockX is doing. Um, It's really hard to to, to try to separate yourself in a, in a very uh, in a very different way in this in this industry, especially okay. the resale industry, because it's really just about who has the best product, who has it for the best prices. But when you think about what Goat is doing as they expand to offer more like luxury and and, and, and streetwear, it, it really makes me think of like what is the trajectory of some of these of this industry. You know what I mean? It, it's for me at least it really is starting to look like, um, and clothing <laughs> in essence. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. The karma loops, you know, like I get that a lot of it is like used goods or like new goods, but for the most part, it's essentially turning into some of these like department stores. It's a damn goodwill at this point. Just like, damn. you know, those like boutique luxury goodwills where yeah. they like curate their, their looks, but that's what these are. And, um, that's where I kind of I feel like that's where the trajectory of this is going. What do What do you think about like when as these brands start to take on like multiple and not these brands but these aftermarket marketplaces tend to take on all these these, these wear these different hats and take on all these different personas. Uh, where do you think it's going to go from this point?
1: Um. Honestly, I. I don't see an end to streetwear anytime soon. I know we talked about like the um, the current temperature streetwear and like resale markets, and we've talked about the dips and the high points. Um, we see dips all the time, but even with these dips, you still see these streetwear brands and these marketplaces thriving so even though like there's more stock in everything now, there's still a demand, and that demand is continually growing like at a continual pace it's not rapid it's not declining it's just kind of constant because it's just around everything at this point like streetwear is very normalized so all these aftermarket marketplaces kind of blend into each other and just become this like, this whole like kind of enigma of just you pick and choose who you want to buy from and you pick and choose like what price you want to pay but they're all still providing you the same type of service and goods um, it's just there's just so much of it, but there's still not a decline. So it's very interesting like to see where it's gonna go and I just I just don't see it ending anytime soon.
0: That's um that's a really good point that you make because I think the most common question amongst like a lot of the industry leaders within in regards to like streetwear and high fashion is like where's the peak?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're always asked that, like, when is this shit gonna stop? Even though the expectation now is that a lot of these aftermarket marketplaces are essentially just going to keep on evolving that it'll eventually just turn into like a boutique store online. Yeah. Like they'll eventually get these brand sponsorships from all your favorite brands, the stone Island, the, the Balenciaga. And they all just sell like all of the recent releases. Like you look at the transition of Hypebeast, right? You see Hypebeast as one, just the place where that releases articles eventually turning into a, a, a huge, Community from through the forums, Mm -hmm. then they advance into like the video aspect, and all of a sudden, the H B X marketplace comes to play. Mm -hmm. So it's like you want to read about these brands, you want to read about this new lookbook. Oh, guess what? You could just shop it in our website and not have to go anywhere. Yeah. So that's essentially where I see a lot of these marketplaces turning into is just like your one stop shop for everything. Like because that's how when you when you think about that of like a website right like you don't want people to leave it mm-hmm. so why would you want to highlight something uh like a product or something that you just don't have right because when you think about you think about the lead time between a, a grailed announcing or not a grilled but like a, a goat or or, or stock being like oh this is what's releasing tomorrow but then they don't like actually have it until yeah. like a couple days later why the hell would I buy it from you guys when I could just go to the store and buy it or Mm -hmm. like go on the other website and buy it. So it is a little bit um, interesting to see like where this could go in the future. Um, Yeah, for sure. But it's it's cool to see how like a lot of these brands have adapted to be like, fuck, like we got to catch up. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. Goat to me was mentioned to me back in like, I don't know, 2014. I'm just like, this looks like some like, Asian reselling site that it was like, <laughs> I didn't want to spend my money on. Like, I just felt like off about it. But now it's like, I would say it's probably number two after StockX, mm-hmm. uh, uh, aside from Grailed. Like, it's, there's so many sponsorship ads, like, they're sponsoring, um, all the professional basketball players and in some enormous amazing deals but other than that I think I think the the evolution of some of these brands and companies are going to turn into some whole other shit like you got to imagine like the amount of money that is in streetwear and high fashion now like all like I was looking at this article this morning basically saying like did you know that these are the people that own your favorite brands (laughs) like like (coughs) like you think that your brands are just like oh there's the the ceo and there's the the director of marketing and the creative director like 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 your normal mom and pop brand but no like these brands are all owned by some larger conglomerate, some larger entity that is putting and funneling all their rich ass money into mm-hmm. that brand to make it be what they want it to be. So, I would say there's only maybe a small handful of brands that run independently without any sort of outside influence. But like, it's just a, it's a, it's the same thing as anything else. You got to look at mm-hmm. brands like like Pepsi Col- like yeah Pepsi Cola right like they own fucking everything yeah right like even waters and like the like competitors to themselves you know what i mean (laughs) so it's like why wouldn't that be the case within this uh streetwear and fashion industry which is why i want to bring up this next point which i thought was super interesting and this was in a recent interview with um uh for business of hype with uh hiroshi fujiwara and uh, I believe it was one other person, but I, I forget who it was, because I only care about what Hiroshi said in this case. <laughs> but essentially, what he had mentioned is that there's this uh, deciphering of where streetwear is now in the mixture of, of high fashion, right? Um, everyone always has this debate on whether or not streetwear is high fashion now, is high fashion now, streetwear is this, this dress that this streetwear company now makes is that high fashion or is it streetwear? Like, there's always this debate, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to bring up, and I and I I'm just gonna link you guys to go make sure you guys go uh, read that interview on Business of Fashion. Um, but essentially, I wanted to ask you: Has high fashion eaten up streetwear, or is streetwear kind of like in that in that position where they've kind of turned out high fashion? Like, who is taking advantage of the other and who's sort of reaping the rewards from that um, taking over? You know what I mean?
1: Um, I think in in this debate, streetwear is definitely winning. Um, it's just the influence that streetwear has taken over within the last, like, five years or even less than that has been ridiculous. Like, the amount of influence everyone has, like, in terms of, like pop culture, uh, music, sports, everyone knows what streetwear is to an extent. And that is kind of what's that that is what changes and affects the market of streetwear. And that is what affects what everyone is wearing currently. So I feel like if if none of these celebrities started wearing streetwear, they wouldn't have, like, the kids these days wouldn't have known about Dior or Prada.
0: Interesting. You
1: know, or like even Louis Vuitton. And now you see like 15 year olds that can afford these luxury brands. Oh but beforehand, like, you would associate luxury brands with your grandma or your mom.
0: And it used to be uncool. Mm hmm. Or like to the point where you would imagine it as being like, not within the in the in the realm of where you should be buying. Like it almost felt as if like you had to be either a certain age to buy it, or a certain like income status or or economic status yeah. to, in order to even get close to buying it. But now, for some reason, and and this just kind of goes hand in hand with with the um, the sort of like uh, gig culture <laughs> of of like that of like Ubers and and all these different things where people could just make money off of the, their current possessions. <laughs> um the shit's crazy and that that amount of buying power it really it really makes this debate difficult to have because the money the separation of uh, of money and the access to to money and the access to a lot of these brands is the distinction between high fashion and streetwear, right? Because yeah. streetwear can put out a graphic t-shirt uh no, sorry. Hi, a high fashion brand could put out a graphic T-shirt. And we think about 10 years back, right? Brands like, um, let me use a, a prime example of this. I'd say like Balenciaga in the early years when they would just put out T-shirts, mm-hmm. uh, even some of the brands like, <coughs> some of the brands like Gucci or Louis Vuitton putting out like something as simple as like a, a, a hat or, or some bucket hat or something, right? That wasn't considered streetwear, so like with that price point of like paying like five hundred dollars for a hat, five hundred dollars for a t-shirt, like that is what essentially separated the two. Mm-hmm. But now, as you start to see like brands that come into the game as like a streetwear brand, I'm going to use Rude for an example because mm-hmm. we talked about them in, in the in the brands that um, I think it was the top brands of the year um, earlier this year. Uh, we had talked about them. And how much is it for a t-shirt?
1: It's like 100 plus.
0: <coughs> 100 plus for a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I was looking at some of their graphic t-shirts, like the ones that look like old school Harley shirts that everyone's wearing, which I think personally is really cool because mm-hmm. I love animal shirts. But those things are going for just as much, or if not, resale value is insane. Like. Yeah. Where do you draw that line between the two? And like, is there a, a clear definition of what is what anymore? You know.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. At Can this I wear point. a dress
0: in the street and call it streetwear just because it's made by this brand that is currently somewhat associated? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Am I involved in streetwear because I'm walking the runway and Kanye sitting in the front row? Like, is does that in 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 essence water down? people like the people who put in that effort versus the people who just kind of lackadaisically put shit together um we had someone reach out about the um i forget that fucking brand's name that did the 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 school sweatshirts
1: oh we I don't forget. talk about them whatever but there was a
0: additional context that the um that one of the persons that had reached out to me was looking for right mm-hmm. but like there's there's so many different factors. There's there's the effort aspect, you know? How much time do you put into something, how much preparation, how much money goes into it typically equates to why it's worth that much. Mm-hmm. You know? Louis Vuitton, Gucci, um one of my favorite brands, Hender scheme puts a lot of they, they charge a lot because look how difficult it is to make that shit. Look at the materials it takes to make that shit. Yeah. So that distinction between someone who and this is something that when I look at a brand like um what is it called? Uh, fuck, the the name is completely blanking. Heron Preston. Right mm. When his first collection came out of just t-shirts, essentially same look and design as Off-White, same aesthetics, essentially the same thing. And he's charging off the rip <laughs> like a hundred plus for a t-shirt. Like, a, like disgusting prices, right? And I'm just like, what is the mindset and what gives anybody the right to jump into the game and say, my shirt is worth blank? Yeah. But that also goes back to you know why would somebody price a shirt at 33 dollars 34 $ versus someone who prices it at 100 and 200 mm-hmm. what do you think that mindset is when people come into this game and they get to dictate what they're what they are worth like i get it we all have to dictate what our services are worth but we also have to be realistic insane Who do we want our audience to be? Like, where do we want to fit in this echelon of brands, of of community, things of that nature? So what do you think goes on in people's heads when they're just like, yeah, $110 for that shirt?
1: Um, If we're thinking it in terms of like regular small streetwear brands versus high fashion designers with streetwear influence, I think um, like the the class system plays a big role in it. True. Just because of who you're surrounded by. So if you're a designer and you came from like a prestige school and you've been around these top designers, you've been interning, it would make sense as to why you would price your items higher just because you're around that quality of access to those materials. You were taught by top tier people. That makes sense. So you would want to (laughs) value yourself higher than a regular average person. But you know, for us like, we sell shirts for 30 bucks. Yeah, You know, we don't really know what we're doing yet. You know, we're still learning as we go. And because of that, we value ourselves lower because we want to make it accessible for certain people. But you know, for designers, they don't have that worry because they already have the funding, they have the means, mm. and their their fan or audience base is already there, established, so.
0: This is my opinion on that. And uh, you make a good point because when you see, you speak about their their fan base already being established, I think it comes down to what is it what it is that you're selling, mm-hmm. right? Off white, although some the, the the clothes are quality, in my personal opinion, not 500, 600 plus quality for a sweatshirt. But why they tack on that extra three four hundred dollars is because of what you're getting in terms of self worth. You know what I mean <laughs> uh-huh. Like it is self-worth and, and and ego is sewn into those clothes for you yeah because once you put that on, you gain the confidence. you get to ask that girl out on a date or guy, <laughs> whoever and, and and that's what you're paying for. you know yeah. what I mean? That brand name on your back, the, the, those four arrows on your back essentially gives you something that to most people, is priceless. <laughs> so of course I'm gonna pay $500 for something that I can't see in myself, that I can't physically pull out of, of my head to be able to take that next step in whatever it is that I'm doing. Sometimes your clothes can make you do weird fucking things. Look at the advertising for, for Michael Jordan's shoes. It makes you jump higher, it mm-hmm. makes you dunk, it makes you be like Mike. Mm-hmm. So I am justified as hell in paying $160 for a pair of Air Jordan 1s because I want to essentially do that. Okay, but let me read back this Fujiwara uh, quote real quick because I just found it. Uh, basically, in this conversation, he states, streetwear is getting captured by luxury fashion and is losing its edge. And... um Essentially, this conversation goes on to say, like, of course, streetwear is on on its way down, but if you're a real skater or you want a nice sweatshirt or trainers, you'll continue to buy streetwear. And then he goes on to say, anything that reaches its peak has to go down. It's the fashion cycle. Mm -hmm. We understand trends. You know, trends come and go. They come back. Look at the trends that are popping now. These are things that were popping way before. But streetwear is just daily clothes to me. So nothing is peaked. Streetwear doesn't change. The peak is people that want new things. Mm. So that's his opinion on it, right? And and it, and it definitely comes from you know what is your pl- current place and how you interact with this stuff. For us, it's still integral to to our, to our daily lives, right? Mm-hmm. We wear it, we buy it, things of that nature. We're very opinionated on what we're currently interested in, but for him. Although that's a major, I would say, moneymaker for him, it's not like what he's currently into like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's interesting to see like that of like a complex con where you have brands that come in that have never formally been at some of these trade shows. And when you see this sort of like this cyclical lifestyle of of streetwear. I don't think it's ever going to fall off, personally.
1: I don't think so either.
0: I don't think it ever will. It's it's constantly going to evolve. Trends are going to constantly come back and What's the closest thing you could relate this to? Like something that just has not died. No matter how exploited it's been, it's just always stuck around and it's gotten to become an even larger beast. Can you name an example of anything like this?
1: I don't think so. Not at the top of my head right now.
0: There's literally nothing. Like, in my personal opinion, the closest thing, and StockX had already taken this concept, but the closest thing that this streetwear world resembles is that of fucking finance and fucking (laughs) economics. There's literally nothing that people value more in this world other than stocks, Money, gold, mm-hmm. valuables, things of that nature, within that realm of like investing, housing market, all that shit, that is the closest correlation to what streetwear is right now. I may be crazy saying this and making that connection. No, I agree. But personally, I don't see anything that that the youth is more attached to that live and die by, live and, live and fucking breathe and die by than Mm streetwear sneakers streetwear all that shit's all encompassing and it's kind of interesting because now you get really got to think like okay i'm not mature enough to invest my money into (coughs) i'm not mature enough to invest my money into stocks bonds that's just boring (laughs) i'm sure a lot of you do that but i'm not fully there yet so what other lucrative area is there? <laughs> the fucking reselling market, yes. starting your own brand. Like when I thought about making the first shirts, don't get me wrong. I did not expect a single damn person to, to, to buy it. <laughs> but when you, when you take inspiration and pull cues from some of your favorite brands and you, you start to understand what it is that people like in, in their streetwear, their clothes, what they like to wear, what they're looking for, and you try to match those patterns with seasons and timing. Eventually, you 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 have a recipe for success. And shout out to everyone that's purchased the shirt because uh, I have zero of them things left. Yeah. So that just goes to show that it's a combination of people. Obviously, the timing and people fucking with the brand, but also this understanding of what people want to buy. Mm-hmm. And that just comes from our experience within this world of streetwear, because we know what is whack <laughs> and we're not afraid to say it. And we also know what does well. Um, and yeah, I think I think that with that understanding in itself, we've gotten to a good point to where we can say like, yeah, I think I think uh, I think we can have it kind of figured out. The only thing I want to say though, and one thing that I want us to get into eventually in the future and uh, you guys are going to hate us when we're in this space. But when we're in the industry, when we are a part of this industry, working for our favorite brands, being opinionated, uh, like even more opinion in that in that space, y'all are going to hate us. <laughs> y'all are going to fucking hate us. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And that's a space that I'm really looking forward to. Um... Being able to be a part of the the people that we we talk about on a very consistent basis, being a part of 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 putting together the product that uh, we quote unquote hate on on a very consistent basis, that's what I want to see next for us in terms of uh, we're opinion about opinionated about product, but once we're sitting at the table, we'll really get to be opinionated about the product because that experience like it's hard to it's hard to talk shit about being an NBA player if you've never been an NBA player. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But as consumers, we have uh, an opinion to a certain threshold. But once we become a part of that industry, it's game over. (laughs) We're going to be ruthless. We're going to be fucking ruthless, and I'm excited. You've been warned. You've been warned. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's a great place to end uh, episode 101, 101. You know, there's been there's been a lot of changes, a lot of what we've been trying to do in terms of our journey as a, as a podcast. I don't even call us a podcast anymore, just as a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that we can still have the opportunity to sit down at least every week to talk the shit that we like to talk about. So shout out to you guys for listening on a weekly basis. We're trying to get these things out on a weekly basis shout out to you guys for the support. Shout out to you guys for for sending us feedback, for sending us comments, for sending us everything, good praises, likes on Instagram, whatever. Shout out to you guys for that. And that is episode 101. And We will catch you on the next one. Peace.